Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. If you don't know, we are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. How are you, Jen? I'm great. How are you? Well, we got some podcast today, and then I have some Frost Haven tomorrow. Oh, Frost Haven tomorrow. Good times. Jin doesn't. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I've got other other uh, stuff going on. Like drinking <sighs> beer? You know, like I just, I'm not at liberty to say. Wow. Spicy. Yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be super fun though, whatever it is. So it's TBD. <laughs> yes. Something spicy, but it's TBD. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> well, Jen, today we are talking about the summoner job quest through level 50. Oh, yeah. The summoner job first appeared in Final Fantasy 3 and has been a series staple since then. In many games, you confront classics such as Ifrit, Titan, Ramu, and so on, and defeat them. And then the summoner character gains the power to call on them in the future. 14 is no exception. And in fact, you can't progress past certain points in the summoner job quest until you defeat the primal that corresponds to that unlock. Ooh, elegant keeping. It has to be that way. Of course. It wouldn't make any of sense otherwise. Of course, yes. Even though the way things are configured now, you're going to be drowning in XP if you're maining a summoner. You'll be like level 40 something, probably, and not be able to progress your job quest because you haven't yep. passed certain story milestones in the main story. Yep. Summoner is pretty good as far as the class goes to either level or sink down as, as they become pretty complete mechanically by level 50. Yeah, I would agree. You're pushing much of the same buttons in the same order. They just become um, more powerful and then later on you'll be you know you'll add like Akamoran and shit like that. Yeah, the overall rotation is the same from like level 50 overall. It's just that you get more stuff to put in the middle of the overall flow of right, the class. Right, yeah, the big summoner sandwich. Yeah. Yep. It's really pretty basic and it makes it a pretty approachable class. Either if you want to do hard content and you don't want to have to think about a million separate cooldowns or if you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. The cycle is that you either charge it's your either charge ability, which I thought looked like a hammer for a long time, but it's Same. a book. Yeah, it's your arm holding up a book. Yep. That charges up your unaspected attacks for a while while your countdown's running. And once the carbuncle countdown completes, then you get three different uh, summons Aspected. available. Yeah. So fire, earth, and wind. Yep. The fire summon gives you two big, beefy, long cast time attacks. And Earth and Wind give you a handful of instant attacks that you can go bew-bew with and run around. Mm -hmm. And then the cycle repeats. Yeah, over and over and over. Yep. It's also a very bursty class. Later on, that first summon gives you so much DPS up front. It's dumb. Well, it's great if you're trying to like do extremes or whatever unsynced. You can skip phases of oh those fights. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no. I've I've um, done some of that unsynced for you know cat book and such, and you know it takes like seven eight seconds. Yep. In the world of Eorzea, summoning was conceived by the ancient elegans, as many things were, as a means to combat the primals of their era. We haven't done a deep dive into Alag yet. That'll be later on in the MSQ. But to keep things simple for now, much like the Garlean Empire of today. They were an empire with expansionist tendencies. 
And also their expansion would provoke local groups, local nations into acts of desperation, namely summoning primals. Mm-hmm. Some Elegans developed a means of calling forth the essence of these primals to take the fight back to the primals themselves, the Eggy. Eggy meaning essence of or purity. These summoners would go on to win great victories against the primals, becoming heroes of their own era. However, this reputation would prove short-lived, as many of these summoners would seek ever greater power and dominion using their abilities to exploit others. So sentiment turned against these summoners, and their art was eventually stamped out until today. Until today. Like today. Yeah. This day, right here. Yep. Yeah. We're going to go get get us some summoning. We are. <laughs> the Arcanist class becomes the summoner job. And as we wrap up our business in the Arcanist class quest, there are two blue quests that pop up in the, the guild. One of them leads down the scholar path, which we will ignore for now. And the other one who pops up on Tubergeim, our Arcanist mentor, is the summoner class quest. So we say, hey, what's up, Tubergeim? And she tells us that the sons of St. Koinok, the Allegan research group, have requested us personally. These are people, primarily Charleans, that are researching Allegan history. Yep. And they heard that we defeated Ifrit, and they're like, ooh, yeah, that's exactly what we need. Yeah, they want an Arcanist that defeated Ifrit. Perfect. Very narrow job description, but we meet it, thankfully. So we go and meet with Imitra in Apkalu Falls in Old Gridenia to get a briefing on what's going on. She is, is she one of the Swines of St. Koinok? Yes. Or is she just, okay, cool. So yeah, she is a, uh, she is a Charlian and she is one of the Swines of St. Koinok. Imitra is a blonde-haired Mikote who is a conjurer. Yes. She comes from Charlayan, actually. Yeah. She's an archaeologist from there, and she joined up with the sons of St. Koinok after graduating and made her way to Silvertier once the Crystal Tower was discovered. That dig site in Mordona, um, they discovered a series of texts describing a sect of Allegan mages known as Summoners. Hey. <laughs> so Imitra, because of our very particular set of skills invites us to Burgot Strike in southern Thanalan to attempt the austerities of flame ritual, um, hoping that, you know, we've we've hit all the criteria. We're going to an area that is heavily imbued with the um, respective element. Fire. Um, we have defeated the respective primal, and we have the soul crystal that they found in the ruins. So we have all these three things. Let's see how it goes. We head down to the Sagoli Desert, which I think is a really cool area. If you've ever been to, like, dunes of any kind in real life, like Death Valley or, I don't know if there's some place in Utah, probably. Anyway, I've <laughs> Death been- Death Valley, I've Utah, been, Death you know. Valley and, you know, those other places um, <laughs> where it's it's really surreal. I mean, so it feels it feels very alien if, you, if you've if you ever visited one of those places. And the Sigoli Desert is just, is just like that. Like as far as the eye can see, just rolling hills of sand and nothing. Um, I kind of love it. Anyway, so we meet her down there and she's like, all right, now just imagine, you know, flame, fire, like conjure up all of these, um, these, these feelings and, you know, evoke, evoke flame in whatever way that you can through your etheric channels. Um, and hopefully this will work. And it totally does. Um, a, a small, um, Ifrit Eggy shows up. Yeah, and it's chibi Ifrit. Yeah, it's a little baby. 
Sylvie. But what we have to do now, I mean, we've summoned this thing into existence. It doesn't mean that we've automatically subdued it. We defeat the essence of Ifrit to harness it as our eggy. Correct. So what ensues here is a mini version of the Ifrit boss fight. Exactly. Complete with the infernal nails nails that we have to defeat. (laughs) Which Which is great. And uh, Imitra is running around, you know, healing and stuff. And she's she's she handles the ads sometimes. And she's like, "You got to defeat the nails first. Go, go, go!" And she's kind of we've done this before. We, you I'm know. like, "Yeah, yeah, girlfriend. <laughs> um, not our first rodeo, as you know." But yeah, um, but we to be fair, there were three infernal nails instead of one. It was really easy, but I love that that it was just like a little, like just like the eggy. It's just a little baby version. It's a little baby battle with the baby freak. And now he belongs to us. So with our mastery done, we return to Apkalu Falls. Next up is mastering the Titan Eggy. And for this ritual, we're heading to Alder Springs. This is the place we were just in for the MSQ, the Sundered area in North Shroud. So we meet up with Emitra there and do the same thing over again. Since it's kind of hard to replicate the Titan boss mechanics in a 1v1 sense, you can't do all the Titan fight mechanics if you're alone. So we, we just dodge some AoEs and we smack it. Yeah. And we harness the power of Titan, which is a big chicken nugget. <laughs> With a, an amazing, well, I mean, what are they? It's not a mustache. They're like long mutton chops. Yeah. Yeah. Mutton chop nugget. Um, He's kind of cute. Like, rah. But as we finish defeating the essence, some jerk off in a nearby cliffside blasts Emitra with a bolt of dark energy. Yeah, knocks her on her ass. It's super rude. We look up and see him. This is a spooky white-haired guy wearing an evil summoner outfit. Mm-hmm. We can tell it's the summoner kit because he has the classic forehead horn headpiece that has been the trait of summoners since OG Final Fantasy 3. Yeah. This aesthetic has never worked for me. Nope. And I've kind of steered away from summoner characters in general because I just I hate that unicorn horn aesthetic. You don't have to wear it. I mean, like in other games with a fixed aesthetic. I see. You know, like <laughs> wow. the party member has this little dorky horn on their forehead. Like, I'm, I'm like, not playing I, that guy. I don't want to stare at that for like <laughs> 40 hours or whatever. <laughs> Rough. Anyway, in this game, of course, that's optional. You can glamour over your headpiece if you're wearing the class kit or just not wear it. Indeed. His fashion choices aside, he tells us that he comes in search of elegant relics. But what do I find but a pair of incompetent dabblers? Says you, asshole. I, I appreciate Nimitra's, uh constitution here. I mean, she's knocked on her ass. was probably meant to be knocked out, to be fair, by this guy. And instead of doing what I would have done, would be like, what the fuck? And whatever. She's like, I'm sorry, sir. May I know your name? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't tell her. He's just like, yeah, you got something I want. And if you don't give it to me, I'll just steal it from your corpses. And now we fight. He's here to unlock the secrets of summoning, is what he tells us. It's like, well, it seems like you've kind of done it. Because he summons Ifrit, and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How are you doing this? Obviously, he's defeated Ifrit at some point in the past. But, you know, that, that, that is the first clue. So it's fight round two. We have to smack down both this guy and his own Ifrit. Until he gets pissed off enough that he calls on his Ifrit to unleash an ultimate attack which is blocked at the last second by our own Titan Eggy. Yeah. Who appears to absorb the blast. Ah. And then Imitra's back there and she's throwing her own like stone at him, conjurer tricks. 
he has like a little he's like he's he's still really indignant and defiant and he's like yeah well i'm just like i'm tired of this so you live another day congratulations later boners yeah, he just becomes like yeah le tired back at the falls yamitra has been doing some research and she has identified our assailant based on records of those who have defeated ifrit and also doing some cross comparison between his characteristics and that of the past Just victors. Just good old detective work. Yep. So this guy is probably Tristan, a former Immortal Flames soldier. Hmm. Well, now our priority is stopping this guy before he causes enough problems. To the point where summoning becomes like black magic back in the day, where it's just banished completely because it's... This, this is calling back to the history of summoning, where summoning itself was stamped out because of the bad reputation that some practitioners had. Right. She's also found out that an old colleague of Tristan's from the Immortal Flames lives in Little El Amigo. And so we're going to go and talk to him and see if he knows some stuff about stuff. We find this guy, I don't... He, he doesn't have a name. He's just... Immortal Flame Soldier. He's he's uh, stationed at Little El Amigo. We were like, hey, you know a guy named Tristan? And he's like, oh, yeah, Tristan told me about you. He said somebody, some some primal addled piece of shit is going to come asking questions. So enjoy. And he runs off and it's an ambush, of course. He, he really hams up his opposition. He says, why don't you stay here and play with some friends of mine? He's all yours, ladies. Yeah, this is this is some guy who is who is so tickled to uh, be a part of this ambush. <laughs> like, wow, okay. We return to report our failure. Imitra increases her estimation of this guy's intelligence, Tristan, as he has shown foresight and planning. So we'll have to be more careful going forward. Yeah, he's not just an asshole. He's kind of smart about it, too. At this point, Imitra is like, we need to change our tack because we can't. We can't go looking for this guy, obviously, because he's kind of one step ahead of us. All we have to do is kind of hang out and he will come to us at some point. She's like, that's going to be our new strategy. And also, if we can convince Rambrose of the Sons of St. Quinoc to give us this Evoker's Retire, you're going to be that much more prepared. So we head out to the the dig site in Mordona. And this whole area here is just covered in crystal. This is a campsite that's perched up on like a solid bed of luminescent crystal. And we meet Rambrose, who is a, a big, bald Rogaden, one of the archaeologists there. And Yumitra asks him to hand over the garb, which he says, you know, we just found the stuff and our researchers might want to do some investigations, testing, whatever, and probably not hand it over to some guy who just showed up. But you can convince them maybe if you were to help us with our mirror night problem as there have been several mere knights who have been hassling the local archaeologists. So maybe if we defeat them, then they'll give up their price. Mirror knights are essentially semi-organic constructs that look like armored winged people. And overall, this is one of the less painful artifact armor quests. Everything that we need to do is in this same zone. There's no hopping across the world for this. And we just show up, we defeat a single mirror knight, they say, thanks, bro, and they give us their armor piece, and that's that. There's three of them, and each researcher has kind of their own reaction to the Mirror Knight menace. Uh, the first one, she's kind of middle of the road. She's Mama Bear, saying, like, I, God, I can't handle working when these things are just, like, lurking around every corner. If you could handle that, that would be great. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then the second guy, uh, Lollafell, he's so terrified that he's stuttering, just absolutely just, um, you know, frozen in fear by these Mirror Knights. 
Um, and then the third guy is just like, oh, yes, they are mildly annoying. If you could dispatch one, I would be most appreciative. And then when we're done battling the thing, he's like, wow, that was really neat. Here you go. So once we handle all that, Rambrose gives us the fourth piece of armor. The chest piece, as always, will wait until the very end. And we're done. Back at the falls, it's now time to attune to the Garuda Eggy. So for the austerities of wind, we must travel to an area that is um, just bursting with wind energy. And that would be the floating city of Nim in northern Linosia. Um, so we head to Camp Overlook and wind our way to where Emitra is waiting. Um, this is a really beautiful area, and I'm not here very often, but I, I love the music. I love the environment. So that was it was like a cool spot. This is the floating rock field that's studded with Nimian ruins way up in the tip of Lanosia. The Garuda Eggy appears, and while we're fighting her, um, this is a little bit more of a... A little spicier of a, of a confrontation. The Garuda Eggy spawns her own Eggies. She spawns a Shirata and a Suparna Eggy. And Yumitra is like, um, I'm sorry. I thought you only summoned one. And I'm like, I know, right? Well, if she'd done the Garuda boss fight, she'd know how it goes. Well, she's not an adventurer. That's okay? why she's we're the researcher. experts here. Just let us do our, our deal, Yumitra. Still, you know, it was exciting for her to, to, to see that going on. And also the Garuda essence summons a handful of feathers too, like in the boss fight. So you have to go and stamp down those little feathers. And um, she's like, hey, you got you got all three of them. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to continue my research into, you know, what whatever this thing that Tristan is doing. And I will see you later. So the next time we meet Amitra, um, something terrible has happened. Tristan found the dig site at St. Coinox. Well, he, doesn't, he didn't find it. He knew it was there. But he confronted the researchers at the site, um, saying that he wanted their their sold crystals that they've um, unearthed. You know, instead of negotiating or engaging in any kind of discussion, he literally just murdered a bunch of them and stole the crystals. So we're off to Mordota. We'll learn in a minute that he did demand they hand over the crystals, which they obviously said no to. Right. And then he's like, fuck you guys. I'm going to kill you all. Yeah, I'm just going to kill you. Our next deal is going up to Mordona and interviewing some of the survivors to figure out, you know, where he may have gone. He left towards the Singing Shards. The Singing Shards are an area of corrupted crystal in the northern part of Mordona that's filthy with void scent and lightning sprites. And the whole area is crackling with lightning ambiently. And we're standing on a mix of blue and orange crystal that have swirled together. And there are spires and spines of both types erupting from the ground all around us. And here we come across Tristan speaking with an Asian. Hello, Asian out of nowhere. Yeah, this is this is a, a, a black masked Asian, not a red masked Asian. So it's a minion of some kind, a lower level guy. However, it doesn't mean he's not capable of, of causing mischief. So apparently he has engaged Tristan in the acquisition of all, as many summoner soul stones as he can muster. And at the point we find him, he has found three. He gives the Asian three of these things. So in exchange, the Asian gives him basically all of the, the power and the memories imbued in the stones or the crystals. Now Tristan is just like high on fucking life and he's just swole with power and he's just la laughing maniacally and 
Like, oh no, we had to fight this guy the, now. The goal of this is to give him the ability to call forth an elder primal. Yeah, that's a problem. This one is Belias. As we roll up, Tristan is convinced that we stand no chance against him now. Basically, Belias is like purple Ifrit. Yeah. Yeah. He's big, though. He's really big. Yumitra reprimands him for making deals with Asians, but it's, of course, too late. He's full-on corrupted. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's consumed the flavor aid. He's full sicko. A small price to pay, replies Tristan. He will use this power to annihilate the beast tribes. When he annihilates the beast tribes, they will no longer be able to summon their primals. Their primals will wither away into non-existence, and he will have won. Yeah. So we fight. Unfortunately, like all the level 50 combat challenges, it's no big deal. Yep. We dodge some AoEs and then keep the damage up and we're done. Yep. This was easier than the um, the little mini Garuda fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So we defeat Belias. And Tristan is severely weakened. And while he's crouched on the ground, huffing and puffing, he talks about, you know, like, I, you know, with this power, I should not have been defeated. I don't understand if it weren't for my weak-minded brother, I never would have been. Like, so we learn that Tristan had a brother, and his brother was with him when they were going to fight Ifrit the yeah, first time. Yamitra just now opts to tell us about this. She's like, oh, hey, by the way, this guy had a brother, yeah, and here's his backstory. She's like, I dug deep into the archives, and there's that information. Oh, well, I mean, that speaks to his motivation. That's probably, okay, that's fine, Yamitra, whatever. So what happened is that Tristan and his brother were in this fight where Tristan defeated Ifrit. However, his brother was tempered. As we know, um, there's no salvation for the tempered. So he was forced to kill his own brother. That has led him down this path of darkness. Well, the way he phrases it, he killed his brother because his brother represented an embarrassment. Like he considered people who are victims of tempering to be weak-minded and his brother is among them. I'm not sure if this is pre-justification or post-justification. I'm assuming the latter. Right. Where he kind of contextualized things to make it his brother's failing. Because, I mean, his his soul and his psyche are so twisted at this point. In the beginning, it's it's probably true that he did it out of mercy. But at this point, with, you know, hindsight and the fact that he has killed who knows how many innocents in pursuit of these crystals... Yeah, it seems more in character with him at this point to call it an embarrassment because it easily could have been him, you know, like yeah. maybe his brother just took the the brunt of it, whatever. Even though he's been beat down, Tristan will have our crystal. He calls forth his Ifrit Eggy, but he's too weak to control it right now. And so it explodes. And when the light dims, Tristan is nowhere to be seen. Wah -wah. Yamitra laments that if it weren't for his twisted morals, we could have been on the same side. Right? Like his mission was, it got to the point where it was basically genocide. But at some point, his goal was to rid the realm of primals, which is, he's like, well, that's what the Scions are after. Yes and no. Yes, that was his goal as stated. But because we have Asians who are pushing him this, in this direction, we can infer that he was going to cause more chaos in his pursuit Versus actually achieve good, even if he had a darker path towards getting there. It does speak to him actually being a little weak-minded himself, that nice. he was so easily swayed by an Asian. We debrief with Yumitra back at the falls. We have mastered the summoning art, and she grants us the chest piece. The end. 
This is a really good job quest, in my opinion. Every step is mechanically unique, and it drives the story forward. I think that the need to make the summoner, quote, earn their summons, force them to get away from the formulaicness of the other A Realm Reborn job quests. We don't have the option of having to do the same thing times four because we have three unique summons to earn during the process. Right. That does help take up some of the uh, uh, the excess levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of filling it with, uh, you know, garbage. And this is this is the best example of acquiring your uh, your gear. Yeah, it, it it made sense narratively. They didn't shoehorn the fact that you got to get these clothes in, and then you know for some reason all of these articles of clothing have been scattered to the <laughs> you know four winds or whatever. They're all just like, oh no, we dug them up because we were digging up all this other stuff about summoners. It makes complete fucking sense. Yep. And then there's researchers in that same dig site that just kind of like, that one found the hat, that one found some gloves, and it's all, it all fucking makes sense. So I'm assuming you liked it too, Jen? I do. And, you know, now that I'm a summoner main, uh, no, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, no, it's just like, I'm a summoner main, therefore this this hits a little bit harder for me. And it it doesn't it doesn't really, but I I, I do enjoy it. And I thought the little, the, the baby eggy fights... How they were evocative of the original primal fights. I love that. It's ideal if you connect with your job quest. You know, there's kind of a weird thing in this game where you are, if you are going for mastery, are going to level all the classes, all the jobs eventually. But it kind of makes you feel a bit schizophrenic too. Totally. If you go from being a dancer to being a like a warrior. And so on. Like, it, it kind of feels hard to contain all these identities in one person. A hundred percent. Like, some of them do speak to me a lot more than others. Yeah. And, like, I started out as Black Mage, which is really, it's a difficult class. It's a difficult job. And I realized when we started raiding, <laughs> I'm like, I can't optimize this shit for raiding. So I changed to Summoner. That has gone much, much better. But I will say, like, I, I feel a, a connection to Black Mage. I feel more of a connection to that than Summoner. So that's that's probably why I'm not like, oh, this just, oh, yeah, this like hits my soul in all the right spots. But my first love is Black Mage. Sure, fair. And I think, though, that the job quests that hopefully resonate the best with you are those of your first job. I picked Paladin, so welp. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> but also, I had decided to change jobs after a certain point, too. And so I paid more attention in a way to the, the job quest I was planning to actually... Move forward with. Yeah. <laughs> so that said, though, this feels like a very cool job quest to be for your main job. Totally. Like, you literally have to fight for your skills. Yes, exactly. There's something to having that that work put in. Yes. And it, it helps knowing that because Summoner is... I mean, a lot of people just call it, oh, it's just brainless. You you know, you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and that's your rotation. And it's, I mean, they're not wrong. Um, it is going from Black Mage to Summoner was like, holy shit. So now I'm all sorts of fucked up. But um, it is it is very simple. But I love knowing that in acquiring my skills, I've already put that work in. Okay. Yeah. Like I've earned this shit. I've earned a simple rotation. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's true that Summoner's rotation is easy, but frankly, when you're trying to learn and resolve some of the more complicated mechanics, sometimes I abandon my rotation and just do nothing or spam basic attacks Yeah. if I'm trying to learn something because I cannot keep the timing of 
like yes. a difficult rotation in my mind at the same time as trying to stand here and face this direction and link with this tether and all that stuff at the same time. Yeah, dude. I, I will focus on fight mechanics over job mechanics. Yeah. As you should, because yeah. you'll wipe the party if you don't. Yeah. But there's a shorter time from doing the mechanics correctly to doing your DPS correctly for summoner than for other jobs. And that's fine, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. It it, it's, it meshes with the mechanics of the fight so much so much faster. And the, the mobility is just divine. So back to the job quest, Jen. What do you think about Tristan? Well, you know, we've we've met many... Many people like him uh, who have experienced some trauma in their life and they have moved forward in the worst way possible and they've taken a lot of lives along with them. I don't have really any sympathy for him because he chose his path. His just magical disappearance, it makes me think, well, he's probably not really gone. Um, that's wholly unsatisfying that, you know, his eggy disappears and then he does just, he was like weakened a bit. I don't know. Um... So that's that's that. He seems I mean, honestly, at this point, he's really he's just really kind of a flat bad guy. One of the things that I like about this game is how every single character has a motivation, even if it's not relatable to you. As far as complexity goes, this guy is pretty flat, as you said, Jen, but he does have a path he's taken that led him here. Right. Yeah. What kind of annoys me, though, is when they will reveal the sympathetic flaw of the nemesis right before they're yeah. off the page, out of the picture yeah. for good. Fuck. You know, if we had known that instead of instead of at the end of the level 50 fight, if we learned that at like level 35 or 40, yeah. I think that would have made the, the quest line that much richer. Um, because then, yes, then there's like... Um, you know, now your feelings towards this person are just a little bit more complicated. And I, I think that's, I mean, and, and like overall, this game does that really well. But I, I agree, like we, we could have known this before. And maybe while we were, pl it doesn't really change how the story would go. But like in our hearts as a human being playing the game, we'd be like, how is this going to go? Maybe there'd be a little, maybe a little bit more um, flexibility on how it ended. You know, yeah. maybe we'd have like, maybe he would have a redeeming moment. We don't know. So, yeah. I think it comes into the too little, too late category. Yeah. Also partly Amitra's fault because she did know this and didn't say. I know. It's like <laughs> you could have... The exact same thing happened with um, the monk quest with... Uh, what's his face? Wittergelt. Wittergelt. At the very last minute, it's like, oh, hi, by the way, here's his tragic backstory. Like we have like a fucking intervention at the end of that quest line. Yeah. With like... Eric's coming to terms with some shit. Wittergeld's coming to terms with some shit. Like we have like a like a sit down, crisscross, powwow sort of situation, um, and they shove that all in one encounter. And Jesus Christ! But still, I mean, at least that one had a nuanced resolution yes. versus that had like you know like discussions and people were opening up and being vulnerable yeah. and kind of making commitments to changing in the future and all that. There's none of that here. Overall, I think this one is among the top job quests just because and it is born, so yep. active and so dynamic. Yeah, and at it's, every it's step. like really efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. It's, it's like a nice, dense chunk of stuff. Recommend. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jen, you know that you can glamour your carbuncle to look like any of the summons, oh, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Right now, I my carbuncle is still a carbuncle, um, but he is topaz colored. And um, I would, I, I want to change him to look like the uh, Titan Eggy. He's my, the chicken nugget. He's my fave. Well, you can. Yeah, I know. I better see that next time. <laughs>
Yeah, so you can change your your default summon, which is normally the Carbuncle, to be any shade element of Carbuncle or any of the Eggies. Yep. And also, if you don't know, you can change your your fucking the, the summon sizes. Yes, please you're do that. Please tired do that. of fat Titan butt in your face. You can make him teeny. Yeah, for the longest time before I, I started as summoner, in, in all of these like trials and shit, I would just be like three god, especially in like alliance raids, three fucking huge ass Bahamuts on the screen. I'm like, I can't see shit. Also, there was a time when I always thought that was like an enemy attack. Yes. I'm like, oh, so I'm like trying to target it. I'm like, this is yeah, very early on. But I'm like, oh, you guys, it's this huge dragon shit. I didn't know this is one of the good guys. Yeah. But again, like, and then you've got, yeah, like five, five titans stomping around the arena and just summoners all up in your lines. Change, pet size small, look it up. Yes. <laughs> pet size small for life. Even when I'm playing a summoner, I don't want to see that stuff in my entire screen. I don't want to see it either. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's... Kind of a shame, though, it's not an actual pet class anymore. It wouldn't make sense with the current gameplay. The extreme and savage mechanics, they're so centered on like player action that having like a separate pet doesn't really mesh with the way those mechanics resolve. Yeah. But I played a warlock back in my Warcraft days. This was back when the game first came out. And warlock is kind of thematically adjacent to summoner. So you would also bind and summon a stable of of demons in that game. And they all have their own powers. And you can do some very, or you could do some very creative things with those summons that let you punch above your weight class if you use them effectively and creatively. Juggling aggro or like tying up enemies or whatever else. And you could really do some fantastic things that were above your current power level. Of course, again, different game entirely, and the field mobs in that game were much more dangerous than they are in this one, so it would pay off to do that stuff. Anyway, that's OG Warcraft. No idea how it is now, but fond memories of of playing that pet class back in that game. Oh, well, I'm glad your memories are fond. Any other summoner comments, Jen? No. Wow. (laughs) Definitive. No, we've avoided referring to the summoner headgear as a strap-on this whole time, and I'm really proud of us. Until now. Well, you know, it's it's the elephant in the room. Great. <laughs> it's the elephant dick in the room. Next time, we have to deal with another primal threat and a lot of legwork. So we'll be playing through the Brayflox Longstop Dungeon. See you then. All right, and that will do it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in touch, you can at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com or via Twitter at podreturn. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. We did. And we will see you next time.